What You Missed on Weekend Mornings with Jason Dacey. It is World Cup discussion time with Neil Humphreys, award-winning author and columnist for The New Paper. And what about those uh, quarterfinals overnight, Neil? We Mm. saw European teams once again prevailing over South American opposition. That's right. Good morning, Jason. Good to have you back. Yes, it's uh, you're looking trim and prim and proper and all that. <laughs> I was scoring goals against Farndale Mud while you was away. I don't oh. like to uh, name drop and all the rest of it, but yes, you're absolutely right. We're going to get a, a European winner again. Mm. So that's what now since 2002, I think we've had European winners. Yes, yes we have. So yeah, since Brazil, Brazil 2002. Yeah, that was in Korea and Japan, wasn't it? It was. I picked Brazil, so I stuck with them until the end. I thought they had the best balance. I do think they missed Casemiro. I think he was a big loss for them. Fernandinho mm. came in, of course, scored the own goal, which mm. was very unfortunate. (laughs) But if you're going to talk about the Brazilian game, you have to talk about one man, one man who has not been spoken of at all, really, this tournament. And that's Roberto Martinez, really. Yes. From nowhere, this guy's pulled off the tactical coup of the tournament. I mean, it's utterly extraordinary. You know, he was with the 4-2-3-1 throughout the tournament. Everybody knew how Belgium lined up. Then for the Brazilians, extraordinary. He switched it to a 4-3-3. He puts, he puts uh, De Bruyne up front in mm. a false number nine role and mm-hmm. puts Lukaku out wide. Wow. Now, this is the equivalent of putting Deli Ali up front <laughs> and putting Harry Kane oh, on what? the wing. Like, wow. you remember when Harry Kane took corners for Roy Hodgson? Y- yes, yes. And, all, and, and yeah. the sort of rigmarole that followed from that? Well, that's essentially what he did. It was a huge risk, but it was to combat, you know, Brazil's very successful and obdurate defence. I think they'd won something like 20 out of 25 games Mm. under Tite. You know, Mm. this was a phenomenal Brazilian side. But for 45, 50 minutes, they had no idea what to do. They had no idea what to counter it. Lukaku was cutting inside, barnstorming through central midfield. I mean, he was like something out of Game of Thrones, this guy. Mm. You know, he was just knocking uh, Brazilian defenders aside like bowling pins. And De Bruyne finally had the game that we expect from De Bruyne. He ran that game from start to, I'd say, almost finished. They were exhausted by the end. But this was the Manchester City De Bruyne. Mm. We hadn't seen him. We hadn't seen him. We'd seen little flourishes Mm. here and there, little daubs on the canvas. But the the artist really hadn't excelled by this stage. But the number nine role just allowed him to drop deep, go wherever he wanted. He put Fellaini in. He put Fellaini in, which was an extraordinary shock. It's like picking Frankenstein in your side. <laughs> but he wasn't a monster. He was Dr. Frankenstein. You know, he delivered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was extraordinary. <laughs> and you could see Brazil, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to counter it. Fernandinho was overran in midfield. Mm. You've got Lukaku charging through and setting up the likes of, of, of De Bruyne. As I mentioned, Eden Hazard as well had a good game. They could have scored more. Yes, of course, Courtois in the Belgian goal. Made a number of fine yeah, saves, well. spectacular yeah. saves. But it's Brazil. You yes, expect yeah. that. You expect it to be a close game. Brazil were the favourites for this game. Mm. So Martinez, the failure at Everton, the yeah. guy who I... Oh, I think not failure, but he did okay. I know, he, he was fired. Let's yeah, get he was it right. fired He was fired, so yeah. that makes him a failure. Okay, okay. You know, I'm going with a literal sense. Okay. But the point was his stock had fallen. You know, his stock yeah, had fallen. Had, I yes. was very impressed by what he did at Wigan, mm. but it didn't work out at Everton. Mm. His stock had fallen. I think there was a few surprised people, to say the least, Mm. when he took the job at uh, Belgium. But it worked, you know, it's worked. And I think if you want to move on to France, I think it's a stark contrast. You've got two golden generations about to face each other in the in the semi-final. Yeah, that's coming up on Tuesday. It's uh, Belgium against France after France's 2-0 victory over Uruguay and Belgium prevailing 2-1 over Brazil. So that's coming up, that uh, yeah, you know, very soon. all-European uh, semi-final. Correct. But the difference is, I think, is you've got 
You've got a coach in Martinez who's taking a handbrake off and making the best of his generation, golden generation. But Didier Deschamps still hasn't done it. Mm. He's still sending out his side, as he did at Euro 2016. I was there at the final when they were overwhelming favourites in Paris to beat Portugal. Oh, definitely. But played with the handbrake on the mm. whole time. Still doing it. And still did it again against Uruguay. Now... Didn't they open up a bit more than uh, previous uh, matches? Marginally. And it really is marginal. Mm. Because it's, a, it's an extraordinary thing with Deschamps because he's not very popular with the media. No, he's Neither. getting bad reviews back in France, L'Equipe and some of these other publications. Exactly, both within the French media and the international media mm. because I've been in press conferences with Didier Deschamps. Mm. He looks like he wants to you know, <laughs> hang us up against the wall and shoot us. He doesn't like journalists. He makes yeah. no secret of it. Yeah. He's a very sort of reclusive, dour guy. Yeah, he's a, he was a boring player, wasn't he? As he was as a player. Yeah. And, and he's kind of built this French side in mm. his own image. Tough to beat, resilient, but you want to rip an eyeball out and throw it at the screen <laughs> just to just to, just for something to do, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were flashes of it against Uruguay, but they were very short bursts of, mm. of excitement. Uruguay tough to beat. They only conceded one goal before they played France. So, but how about that howler from Fernando? Oh Muslera? more than a hundred caps, word. right? I mean, he, that someone, was Griezmann's long-range shot. I mean, you as an eleven-year-old in your footballing prime would have saved that. In my footballing, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up, Jason. Yes, yes, I would have liked to say it. But the way, as someone put it on social media. So true. The way he flapped his hands, he looked like a woman who was trying to get a nail varnish to dry. You know, he was constantly <laughs> flicking his fingertips. Oh, no. And it, it, if you look at the shot, it didn't dip. It didn't swerve. No. It didn't change direction. It was a routine save, speculative shot. Mm. And he went, he just went, I'll catch it, I'll punch it, I'll catch it, I'll, oh. I'll, I'll do nothing. I'll draw my, minds, wasn't it? Yeah, it I'll draw my minds. nails instead. Mm. And it it was a shocking flap, but I still think they would have won regardless. Yes. The, the one goal the killed the game. Goal, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. The one, the first goal killed the game. There was a couple of chances. Luis made one very good save, um, but France are still playing in second gear, mm. and it's a shame. And the reason Deschamps is not that popular is because he doesn't seem to know what to do with the greatest generation of footballers France has arguably ever had. Oh. They won the World Cup in 98. They had Zidane. Zidane is in a class of his own. Mm. But if you take Zidane out of the equation, this is a better squad. Oh, definitely. This is a better squad. There was no yeah. real weaknesses in this oh. side. Front to back, Lloris, Varane, uh, Pogba, uh, Kante. Pogba and Kante are easily, easily the best central mm. midfield defensive duo in the tournament by a country mile. And then up front, you've got Giroud, but you've got players on the bench, you've got players they left behind. Like Martial didn't go. Exactly. Because mm -hmm. he didn't trust him. Right. Speed. Right. Unreliable. Right. Uh, he's a bit of a Mourinho in that sense. Mm. So, I mean, just take the handbrake off. Let, let us wake up and enjoy it because they could still win the World Cup, weirdly, playing this way because they're very good mm. at stifling opponents. Mm. I mean, Kylian Mbappe, he is so fast and so brilliant. But again, stifled, mostly mm. stifled. Mm. Uruguay's defended him well, Goldown kept an eye on mm. him, but they don't get the ball to him often enough. Mm. And he, he's, he was very much straight-jacketed on that flank there. Tried once or twice to cut in. If you compare... Mbappe to the way De Bruyne played De Bruyne just uh, I'll go where I want you know he's like he had a canvas there he had the old Belgian cravat on he had the paintbrush in his hand I'll daub here I'll daub there I splash here I splash there yeah. I go where I want oh I love him as a player he's brilliant player. fantastic Ginger Prince brilliant yeah. player Ginger Prince just keep him out of the sun but <laughs> sounds like me and you yeah but it was brilliant it was a brilliant performance from Belgium and in such stark contrast from France I like France I want France to win mm. now Belgium uh, I I want Belgium to win. No, I was going to qualify yeah. that because I like fr I like France. I like being in France mm. for the, for the uh, Euros. But the way Belgium played and the way France played, I want Belgium now. Yeah, I yeah. want Belgium all day long because mm. it's just 
captivating. It's a breath of fresh air. That's just stale, stagnant, Sunday morning after a pub night out mm. air that France are putting on. And to think that Belgium were two goals down at the hour against Japan. And I was in bed, actually. I wasn't watching because I wasn't We don't want to know about your private life, Jason. <laughs> I wasn't having to cover that game, but I, I looked at my phone and I saw they're two down. I jumped out. I ran to East Coast. I went to uh, Marine Cove and watched at the... Uh, at the McDonald's, they have a, a big screen there, and I'm like, "Can can Japan hold on?" And then we just saw that comeback, you know. I was... know, extraordinary. Other fast food joints are available, <laughs> but uh, no, it was it was an extraordinary comeback. It really was, and I felt for Japan. Oh, me too. Because the coach, typical Japanese, he fell on his own sword. He didn't really yeah, need to. Yeah. I mean, he he's said gone he, now, isn't he? He went for broke and everything, but I, I don't think. That worked for Japan. You know, that sort of gung-ho... Well, think about Honda's free kick, take. right? Yeah, yeah. That it, was right at the end, and correct. then they ran up the other end and it scored. It was just bad luck. It mm. was one of those things that does happen from time to time. And if you'd have sat back against the Belgians and tried to defend it, they would have come against you anyway. So I, I think they had one way to play Japan. They did it. It was bold, adventurous, exciting to watch, and it just was marginally... I mean, the, ta- the tiniest margins unlucky in the final whistle. But they brought back a bit of pride for Asia. And heaven knows Asia needed it. It's been a dreadful World Cup for Asia. Let's not sugarcoat yeah. it. Well, I think you're being a bit harsh. It's no, better I'm than not. 2014. No, I'm not. They beat no, I'm not. South Korea beat Germany. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. great. Yeah, South and Korea. Iran performed well. No, I'm, see, I'm not accepting that because that is the that is the that is the ikambilis in the kampong puddle. <laughs> we have to get past that. You can't all get knocked out of the knockout stages bar Japan, mm. and so it's been a good tournament when you're the biggest continent it's on Earth. It's been a decent small... po- tournament. No, not a great tournament. No, a de- it's not. Better than a decent tournament is when you, two, of, two out of your four teams, five teams go through. That's a decent tournament. A good tournament is when three teams go through, when you're the biggest continent on Earth. I think, I've had this argument for many, many years with mm. the Sea Games, mm. you know, Southeast Asia Games. It's a warm-up tournament for something bigger. No more, no less. Mm. I've, I've argued this with sports editors, mm. members of the public. So, uh, take Singapore. A Singapore or a Malaysian Goes to the Sea Games, gets eight gold medals. Fantastic. Mm. But it's a stepping stone. Yeah, and that's all it is. Yep. And I think that Kampong mentality has done a disservice to both regional football and Asian football for far too long. When you're the biggest continent on earth and one team getting to the knockout stages is, and I would agree with you, I would agree with you, is considered probably a reasonable, decent tournament. Mm. I'd have to take issue with that and say, mm. we've got to dream bigger, think bigger, go back home and don't just think, oh, if we get two teams out next time, it's a great tournament. What's going wrong with the biggest continent on earth? That's the way I would have to look at it. Gary Lineker made a point. It's very easy for Gary Lineker to bitch on social media, <laughs> but he made a point. I think it was the Saudi game or it might have been the Saudi game when he got smashed 5-0. And he said something along the lines of, if this is the best of Asia... I'd hate to see the worst. Well, Jason and me, we see the worst all the time, don't we? So I think that's a fair point. We have to you know, turn that looking glass around and say, look, if that is the best of Asia, AFC and the other relevant bodies really got to pull our socks up. With Neil Humphreys, best-selling author and new paper columnist, we'll talk more about the World Cup shortly.